Kia ora, aotearoa and welcome to Generally Famous. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to generally famous but always interesting guests about life, love and what makes them tick. Today's guest is a somatic sexologist, a pleasure advocate, a sex educator and co-host of the award winning podcast The Trainee Sexologist. Morgan Penn, welcome. Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here with you. I'm very excited. So, um, you have a background in media. Yeah, I was in radio for 15 years. And how did you get, or maybe a better question is, why did you get from that to (laughs) somatic sexology? Because when I wasn't working hard in radio, I was gossiping in the kitchen room about people's sex lives. I was the person everybody would come to for advice, I loved sex, I loved exploring things, I didn't understand why people thought it was a bad thing or why yep. people kept things a secret. And so I just became the safe person that anybody could talk to about yep. sex. Yep. And then I sort of always felt with radio, I wasn't fulfilling my sole purpose. There was still something more that I wanted to be doing and I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a sexologist. As soon as I found out, I was like, that's me. Oh, I've got so many questions, but one of them is <laughs> off, off the back of that. How many, do you think there are a lot of sexologists in New Zealand? Or I, I would say not many. No, I've not knowingly met one before you. Right, okay. So this morning is like, I'm a virgin sexologist <laughs> greeter. <laughs> nice to pop your cherry, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this regard, that's right. Um, what, but what do you reckon? 50? 200? No, there's a lot of sex therapists that are like psychologists that right. have then gone into like specify in that realm. And a counselling and the sort of... Yeah, right. and it's quite broad. Um, whereas like I'm quite different where I've gone and studied somatically, which means to work with the body. So right. it means I can also perform one-way touch on yep. bodies. So that's what I get from the word somatic is um, it, it is physical as well as, you know, as you say, that sort of counselling or discussion, well, which you obviously do as well, yeah, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yep. the thing is, like, when we're actually having sex, we're using our body most of the time. This is true. So we need to be engaged with the body. Yes. And the mind is very important, but the body is equally. And the body holds its own wisdom and traumas and experiences and pleasure so that's where we have to be deeply connected and and you you know you talked about purpose so are you deeply fulfilled as a somatic sexologist oh my god yes fuck yes (laughs) I love it and I have to practice what I preach right so I have to be having an amazing sex life with myself yes and of others, if I There choose. are so many puns and so on, on a matter payer <laughs> I could do right now. I'm not going to. I'm going to resist that, this whole podcast, right? Well, I just feel no. like it will be juvenile. And I, and we are, we are a higher brow uh, podcast than that kind of carry on. Um, so that's <laughs> my, how do you become a, you say, and I don't mean to say, oh, I don't think you are, I'm sure you are, but you say you're, you're trained, you're a trainee and that's your podcast, but you're mm. actually a fully trained somatic sexologist. Run me through that. Yeah, so I had to work with hundreds of bodies. I had to get people to offer up their bodies to, you know, qualify. Um, so I had to learn about nervous systems. I had to work, learn about biology, psychology, physiology, all of that sort of stuff. Do you get a qualification at the end of that? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I've studied with the Institute of Somatic Sexology in Australia. Yep. Um, that's like one of the, the my core 
learnings. But um, yeah, I mean, just the study never ends for me. I always want to keep learning. Neuroscience is always developing and so does pleasure. And I mean, if you look at anatomical pictures about genitals, mm. that's still changing. Mm. Like the, the proper picture of the length of the clitoris has only been fully discovered in the last 100 years. So there's a lot to learn. The, and there's so much, as you say, we still don't know. Yes. And you're somatic. And just to unpack that ever so slightly more, we've got the touch point and that's, that's you know, that's really interesting in itself. But would you agree just on that, that, um, you know, so much about sex is in here. It's in the head as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a deeply um, uh, psychological or whatever you want to call it, spiritual um, thing as much as it is this physical thing. I mean, it requires them both to be firing. Totally. The mind is our biggest sex organ. We need to have that engaged and turned on to allow the physiological response of our body to begin with. But the thing is that most of us are deeply unembodied. We're disembodied. We're walking around very disconnected from our bodies. People sit all day long. We don't have good blood flow to the pelvic region. So then we try to turn on the mind. Yeah, we can do that. But the body takes a long time to get engaged. And maybe I'm engaged right now in an age-old trope, but I'm going to put it out there anyway, and you can metaphorically slap me down if you like. I mean, right. I, I presume my working hypothesis as a bloke would be what everything you say I agree with, uh, but it would be more so, you know, that mind game is even more so for a, a woman than a man as a generalisation. Whereas, you know, kind of like men, don't be me wrong, I sit down all day, everything you've just said is true. And I'm not suggesting it's not, there's not a, a, a mental aspect for me. I'm sure there is. But what's also true is, you know, blokes sort of want sex and, you know, an orgasm is a relatively, not for everyone, but a simple proposition. Am I, is that right or would you say no? Well, I mean, that is a big generalisation, yeah. but I would say, say, like from my personal yeah. experience of what I see from my clients and stuff, yes, that is probably true. And I think uh, there's so much that feeds into that, right? Like the mental load that women actually carry mm. is so different from a man as well. They're a lot more sort of like present in, in their bodies because they're more single task focused, whereas women are carrying a multitude of different things in their mind all the time. And this is evolutionary biology and all of those things, right? This Absolutely. is a gazillion years of, you know, different roles, functions and so on. Yeah. yeah, and now we're living in this time where we are filled with cortisol, we're all stressed, Yes. and it's so hard for natural libido to come through when we've got cortisol flushing through the body because it puts us into our sympathetic nervous systems where we're in safety mode. We're trying to find safety where we don't feel safety. So yeah. it's hard... To, to actually have libido and to feel arousal, we need to feel down-regulated and safe. So, so possibly another complete trope, and we're going to talk porn at some point in this, you know, oh, yeah, that's, okay. that's but, but cortisol and what you've said and the stress, we'd be having better sex if we didn't have social media. Well, why do you think that? I don't know, because I just feel like that's creating all of these stresses and, you know, we're comparing ourselves and all of these things. And actually, you know, to get to that more kind of, naturalistic place I'm putting words in your mouth but that you mentioned you know this kind of more simple life Mm. would mean better sex 
Well, yes, I suppose, but I guess uh, we also learn so much on social media as well. I mean, that's one of my biggest platforms where I get to share. Like, that's one of my biggest values is being accessible to people. So I want to educate and share through And you're giving advice, right? Yeah, absolutely, and sharing my personal experience in that realm. I'm interested, um, I believe I'm right to say you're close to your mum and, you know, you'll have whānau and all. What was their view... When at some point in time, so well, I'm training to be a sexologist. I only reason I say it's like it's not like a primary school teacher, or <laughs> I'm always mean to accountants or an accountant or a builder or something. It's a somatic sexologist, and you know, possibly at that time, if they like me, they couldn't even spell that, let alone kind of get their <laughs> head around. Did they have anxiety for you? My mum did when I was studying and the type of things that she knew that I was doing with bodies. She thought I was in a sex cult. She actually thought, (laughs) because I had to go to Byron Bay for two weeks for hands-on stuff all the time. Or was there sacrificial kind of exorcisms? Absolutely. (laughs) Semen spiritual smearing on my face. No, no, not at all. It was a bit wild, but it was was all good learning and it was all expansive stuff for my body. But... What I think is I found so amazing with my family, they've been so supportive, like so proud of me. Once they understood it more. Yes, and could understand like my vision, which is I want to change the world through sex, healthy sexuality. And so they're they're my biggest cheerleaders and I'm so grateful. Fantastic. Um, I I presume at a level you kind of um, registered and you sign up to an ethical code and these sort of things. Mm. I mean, is is there a health and safety point here? Like, I think from listening to your podcast, which I really enjoyed, by the way, that there's okay. like a, um, in terms of physical touch, fundamentally only work with women, or have I made that up? Currently, I am only working yep. with vulva owners. Yep. Yeah. And that is a safety thing from my perspective as yep. well, because there's such a big education piece around healthy sexuality. Yep. And so I think a lot of men, and I find this on my Instagram, will sexualize me, yes. uh, which is like one of my biggest things that I try to debunk, yep. is like I get to choose when I'm sexualized. Yeah. not you yeah. if I want to put my breasts on Instagram that's not necessarily a sexualized thing they're just breasts you know what I mean so yeah so for my safety I just touch vulvas and women um, that need support reconnecting with their bodies and in that regard I mean is there a sort of is, is the code does it sort of make clear or I mean I imagine there'd be something around this you know it's like um university lecturers no longer can have sexual relations with their um, students da 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 I mean, is that is that part of how it worked for you? you? You're not there, if I can put this possibly too bluntly, you're not there to be aroused or be sexually engaged with your clients. Oh, my God, of course. Yeah. And that's a whole power dynamic, right? Yeah. We're, this is the whole Me Too movement, the whole thing that's rippling through the media industry at the moment as well. So, yeah, absolutely, I am there to hold space for safety and groundedness, and that's the biggest thing. And when I touch bodies quite often women's bodies haven't been touched in a way like that before they've either been touched sexually or medically right but not in a non-agended loving way Mm -hmm. yeah so it's actually really healing for women to experience that kind of touch fantastic so run me through your services because i my senses they're wide and varied yeah so if i am working with the body then i'm normally doing a yoni mapping so yoni is another word for Everything that's in the genital region for a woman. So that's like vulva, vagina, womb space. And um, that is about finding the landscape. So many women don't actually know, or and, and men actually, you know, they don't actually understand their genitals. What parts are what, what they do, where they live, what size they are. 
you know, when people learn that they've got a ligament that goes over their pubic bone to hold their clitoris in place, like, well, that's a game changer because then we, we're so grateful for this because we love the clitoris. It's the star of the show down there for most people. So yeah, I, I educate women on their bodies by touching. It's the body-mind integration that needs to happen because there's such a disconnect. So it's educative. It's not that, that, that you're mapping it but because um, each one is individual. I suppose they are at a level. Totally. Um, but it's more about showing them what it is they've got. Um, um, what it means, its significance, how it works. Because they don't know that. Yeah, and I have women that come to me that are in their 60s that are like, I'm dead down there. You know, I haven't been touched. I can't touch myself. I can't feel anything. And the moment that we start unraveling and touching, they're like, whoa, that feels good. Oh, my God, I can feel something. So it's about this reconnection and this understanding that they're not dead down there it's you know it's alive it's a very like the pussy is a shapeshifter she changes and she's very quick to respond once we connect in there mm. so um that's one facet of my work and how much would that be that's probably 30 percent right. yeah a lot of people come to me after birth trauma you right. know like they're disconnected they need a reclamation of their body um and sexual the, trauma are, are, are these a woman for the most part um heterosexual or is it we talk in all Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. lots of different, and people that are confused, people that are asexual, um, but they still want to be connected to their body and understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I work a lot one-on-one just with people that are having um, sessions that don't want to have sex anymore or they've lost their libido or there's a mismatch in libido with couples. I do a lot of that kind of work as well. People that don't know how to communicate with each other in relationships, let alone talk about sex, you know. Um, and then like I talked about with accessibility that's why I do the podcast so I can share and educate on that realm and I also offer workshops where people can come and learn and be in community with like-minded people and just on that latter stuff I mean you're putting some fun in it right there's nothing wrong with that sex should be fun absolutely we get so serious about this yeah yeah like when was the last time you giggled during sex I don't know. I'm not, this is not about me. Oh, come okay, on, Simon, well, no, tell look, me. I'm your typical repressed New Zealand male. Come on, let's not do this. Well, we could do um, some work on that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if, if we do, I'll pay you. How's that? Okay. Um, and, uh, but you don't work with uh, male clients, which is fair enough. So I do online. Right, okay. Okay, right. Um, moving right <laughs> along. Um, I'm feeling uncomfortable on you. This you already got me off guard. We're going to come to it by, by the vulva cushion that <laughs> that Morgan has showed me, and that we have literally sitting in the well. It's not in the middle of the table because it was making me feel uncomfortable. I don't know why. My word, not yours. But when I think about what you've just told me, my sense would be so people aren't coming to you because maybe a few are because they say, "Oh, we can spice this up or we'll make it even better." Yeah. But fundamentally, my premise would be people aren't coming to you because they're in functional normality everything's good they're having sex all the time they enjoy it nice most of the time amazing they're coming because there's a here's my word dysfunction or something that's not quite right it's dead it's you know it's painful it's um is that right you are spot on the majority of people that come in have got deep sexual dysfunction in some level where they are either not having sex at all they feel so shut down there's so much shame there is um just numbness there is no desire i think the world is so sexualized right sex sells and marketing Hmm. there's people like me that's out there talking about it all the time now sex has become really cool and you know um that people are empowered in it and that's fantastic but then people are comparing themselves to that and thinking why don't I want to have sex why is there nothing I'm not aroused during my day 
Um, there's people that are, you know, attracted to people that they didn't think they could be attracted to. There's a lot of confusion around sex these days. Our youth that are coming through are a lot more fluid and open as well. But that's a whole spectrum that needs exploring and safety. And there's not enough people out there kind of holding that space. So, yeah, people come to me for such a huge range of things. But for someone to come saying, I've got a great sex life and how can I build on that is very slim. Yeah, I'm normally the hospital, like the, the ambulance at yeah. the bottom of the hill. Is there a handful of the most common things that are presented to you? Yeah, that... I would say mismatch and libido for right. couples. And that's what causes all the divide, right? You know, and to and to fall into the trope is that always, um, uh, you know, man wants it every second. No, she doesn't. No, actually, no. I I probably see that probably sixty percent of the time. Yeah. But forty percent of the time, it it is women wanting it more than men. So. And I'm seeing a lot, and I guess it's probably because of my age as well, but a lot of couples in their 30s where they, you know, people find each other, they fall in love, the sex is really hot for a couple of years, and then, like, men deeply fall in love. And what happens on a hormonal level is that men don't feel like they need to spread their seed anymore. They feel safe, they feel loved, and they just, the the sex just dies off. And for women, they want to feel desired, and they think, oh my God, like, what's wrong with me? You don't love me anymore. You don't desire me anymore. You want to go and find somebody else. And man's like, mm mm-hmm. And that's, we're talking heteronormative Yeah, here. oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, you've described the sort of common scenario that many coupled up people go through, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, without being sort of gratuitous about it, um, well, you can if you want, but give, <laughs> a, give us a sense of, like, I suppose I want to say case studies, but look, just real-life people who've come to you and you've sort of helped, you know? Yeah, okay, well, one that's a really cool success story at the moment um, that just came through an email from a client was that I, I work with a lot of women that have got vaginismus, which means that they're experiencing painful sex, right. their vagina has literally shut up shop, um, those vaginal walls have clamped down, and so it's like physically impossible to get anything inside there. Tampon, fingers, penis. Mm. And um, this couple have been together for five years, never had penetrative sex, deeply desired a baby, and um, thought that it was never going to happen. She'd been to pelvic floor physios, couldn't get the help she needed, and then she'd heard about me. And um, I worked with her for a couple of months and she was able to slowly get a finger in and then a penis. And so it was about six months ago we finished working together and she just emailed me um, on Monday to tell me that she is pregnant. Amazing. So like that just, yeah, makes my heart burst. Yeah, it's beautiful. Is that somatic? You are manipulating, you are... um, you, you, you get that words vicious. I'm sorry. I'm, I, well, I'm, you know, my language. I need more words in my vocabulary. You, you tell me. I didn't work hands on with that person. Actually, right. we worked, worked via Zoom. Right. But um, the formula that, that I work to with clients with vaginismus is pretty structured and can be done anywhere. And that's sort of based on science. Absolutely, yeah. it is. Yeah, and well, nervous system work. And what about? Have you got? Example, I'm sure they're few and far between, Morgan, but where, you know, you've worked with a client and you've given it your best and it's it just been a failure. Yeah, uh, yes. There were there there are people like that. I mean, it's, it's a bit hard for me to talk, but I'll generalise, I guess, in this realm, is that I have people that come to me that 
want to talk about their partner and I say well actually that's not fair to talk about the partner unless the partner's here and that realm where they're trying to learn how to change them right you know and so um and what's funny is we always unearth that it's actually about the person that's right. actually <laughs> is presenting here and but about if they're not prepared to deal with that exactly you can't do that much yeah is sex a basic need I'm going to say is it a human right absolutely of course it is. It's pleasure. We, our bodies are wired for pleasure. Yeah. So, you know, when we when we take that away, of course it's a human right. We, you know, think about, you know, female genital mutilation that happens over in Africa, mm, things like that. That's taking away pleasure. Mm. It is a human right. We deserve it. And that's part of our reproductive system. We're not meant to be having sex without pleasure. What just occurs to me, what about though like abstinence or what do we call it, chastity or, I mean for some people uh, that's that's not a strategy, it happens, they don't want it to, right? But, <laughs> but you know, in terms of an actual uh, approach maybe for... Well like celibacy, you mean? Yeah, celibacy. Is this something you've ever done? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. I think it's really... Im- As a purposeful thing, yes. you've been like, I'm going to yeah. steer clear of this for X period of time and... See what that means for me. Yeah. I have done that multiple times in my life because, one, I like to come back to having a sense of my own body totally and hold sexual energy because I think quite often we're not taught how to hold orgasmic energy mm-hmm. or arousal in our body. We feel mm-hmm. like we actually have to discharge it. This is sort of the tantric view of life, It actually it? Yeah. is. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. It's about working with those energetics in the body. And uh, what I find is when I'm really in my flow and I'm creative, I get really turned on. And I want to go and, you know, self-pleasure. But when I hold that, my creativity just, like, goes up tenfold. I'm more productive in the world, you know. So it is quite yeah. an interesting energy to play with. Yeah. Because when we are, you know, having sex with other people, we are sharing energetics. It's a lot. Um, especially, I think, for men as well, when there's this ejaculation, this is life force energy being spread out into mm. the world. It's a discharge. There's literally a lot of stuff coming out of the body. Yes. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm such a Kiwi bloke. Aren't I? Look, I feel like you're going to cop out on this question. I'm just putting that out there right at the start. But is there a rate, a normal rate at which you'd say couples should be having sex? No. I knew you were going to say that. Well, it's not a cop-out. It is that I don't want people to freak out. That's not them. Yeah. This is the thing. You know, people, we love a good comparison, you know, and this is what I... We live by them. I know. And it's a crock of shit because we have to find our own normal about what feels good for us. Yes. And, you know, I think it's so hard to find two people that want to be having the same amount of sex all the time. We're always in different seasons as well of where we're going to feel more arousal and want more stuff. But it is a conversation that couples should have. What are your expectations? What are your desires in this area? Because people don't have these conversations early on and then they get into long-term stuff and then they realise they are totally mismatched in that area. So... Yeah, like... No, I hear you. How long it's have not you been married out. for? 17 years, 18 years. Wow. And would you say, like, the amount of sex that you have in a week has, like, changed um, in those in that time? Look, I, um, without getting too technical here, I would suggest it's got better. Great. Actually, you know, I, I recognise what you're saying about that sort of... It's, again, it's probably from kind of 
running in the savannah or something, that biological thing around, you know, the first flush of it all and then it dies down and there's a bit of a lull. But, you know, you work at it and you you do the right things mm. and um and so that's what I would um sort of sort of say. And That's great. What, what would you say see says he changing the subject very yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll we'll edit that bit out. No we won't. Um <laughs> What comprises good sex? Oh, that's a Cause you've great told, question. Yeah, because you've told, well, you haven't told me, but I, I've read or I've seen somewhere you've sort of said, you know, a lot of people are looking for that. Just, Morgan, just give me the cheat list. Give me the 17 things or the four things I can do. I'm orgasming every time. Dial an orgasm. I mean, <laughs> is that, but what, um, and that's obviously me being silly, but what, what's good sex? Yeah, good sex is where there is communication beforehand. I believe, so that we are working out boundaries so that we both feel safe or multiple people, how many people are involved, can feel safe in whatever's going to unfold. So there's no unexpected things and there's clear desires around what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and, you know, whether or not the other person can meet those desires. And then it's about slowing down, you know, slowing down, being present, being um, in tune with the other person. So many people think that they can just, they claim, I'm so good at sex or like, I know what I'm doing. But the thing is, anytime you're with somebody new or even with someone that you've been with for 17, 18 years, it's still a different... It's not inter- that long, Morgan. It's not that long. It could, be, could have been 40 years. <laughs> okay. Well, I couldn't because I'm only 46 and that would be illegal, but yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's still a... It's a different interaction every time and you don't know mm. what that person is feeling on that given day. So it's about connecting in and getting a felt sense of what that body is responding to and asking and checking along the way. So many people think communication or talking during sex is like yuck or, you know, is going to kill the mood, but it's not. It's actually hot. You get to get a real gauge on what's turning the other person on. So I think, you know, eye contact, deep breaths, Voicing needs, giggling, stopping for a water break, saying I need a break because you've got a cramp in your leg. <laughs> you know, like this is the reality of sex. Yeah, yeah. So it's about just being and not really getting present. fussed about that because it's not not like one of the movies or you know. No, so yeah. we want to take away the goal of orgasm, you know, because yeah. then it makes it more of an expansive yeah. play session. Yeah. yeah, and it's just about trying different things. And I think we get so worried that we're not going to like something or we're going to turn somebody off, but we can say, oh, I've got a desire. Can you try this? Mm. Or can you just nibble on my ear and see what happens? Mm. You know, because then when you've got this communication, you can start something, but you can stop it at any time as well. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I've played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
do you think as a Kiwi society, are we a bit juvenile? We talk about it lots, but not enough kind of culture or what are you? What would around you... sex? Yeah, around sex. I mean, probably around 50 things, but <laughs> let's just stick with sex for now. Absolutely. I think we're still really prudish. Like, I think we've still got quite a few old school beliefs going on and I think we um, are scared to have the real conversations we can kind of go surface level Mm. but um, what I'm finding as well I think with our rangatahi with our youth is there's kind of this empowerment piece with young women which is like yeah I can go out and I can sleep with whoever I want and I can do whatever I like which on one hand yeah great absolutely you can but like where's the deep education around that stuff and where's the reverence for our bodies and connecting with another person as well like because we're not talking about it properly and and telling the truth about what's happening Mm. yeah we're kind of stuck in this funny funny place I think where we're still not having the the proper conversations what would a proper conversation look like do you think and and let's let's go there I was wanted to come to because I think it's an important thing but you know education in our schools and so on what 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 would you say about that as a few kind of basic? Yeah, I guess consent, you know, like yeah. there's still there's still grey areas around consent, you know, when, when it's being taught as well. But it's so clear, you know, but I'm, I still see it all the time in our world where consent is clearly not understood. We, we need to talk about consent and we need to talk about it in lots of different layers and see it in lots of different contexts, not just yeah. in the moment of uh, do you want to have sex, yes or no. It's so much bigger than that. Porn, yeah. you know, that's a huge piece where so many people are still going for education and we and, and that's a downfall because the, the current education system in New Zealand is, is lacking. Yeah. And they've just done a rejig of that and it's still not good enough. Right. On your podcast, you talk about anything and everything with um, your colleague Sharon. Sharon Casey, Sharon, yes. Sharon Casey, yeah, yeah. And you know, and sex is obviously it's varied, it's complex, it's all sorts of stuff. I mean, there's B and D, there's S and M, there's anal, there's threesomes, <laughs> there's sex parties, there's dominatrix, there's strangulation. I think you talk about all of those things on the on the podcast. And you've already said, I mean, we've talked communication. Mm. Uh, we've taught consent. That's critical. Um, I suppose, see, I, I was, um, a long time ago, uh, prior to politics, I was a criminal lawyer. Mm. I've done a lot of sexual abuse cases um, mm. back in the day, and they're difficult cases. Mm. Um, but I suppose what I would sort of say to you, and interested in your um, reaction, I think you actually said it funnily enough back then, is, you know, actually consent at a legal level or if you like at what's right level it's not that difficult right you know um what i'd say though is as a as a a partner a dad a citizen all those things you know more than sort of legally if you like morally ethically um there's consent that's legal that's good but actually you can still have consensual sex that's manipulative there's that word I think you agree with in this complex mm. context aggressive mm. violent even maybe dishonest um, that leaves people with regret yes absolutely and what also plays into that which doesn't really get taken into account is that there is a consent that can be withdrawn yes. n- non-verbally right and that can come from people that ha- haven't got a self-worth 
to, to put in a clear no even when they want to say no. So that's a big piece as well. But that starts, you know, when you say you're a dad, like, you know, w- with our children, we mm. need to be teaching them that when we're tickling them and they say no, even if they're giggling, that's a no because they have said that. You know, when they don't want to go and hug some a family member that, you know, they haven't seen in a long time, that should be honoured. And, and, you know, when people do that, oh, you don't want to hug me, that's a, that's a manipulation, you know? So we need to, like, be seeing behaviours like that that we are showing in front of kids and starting to hone them. So you say it starts really early. Far out, yes. Uh, not necessarily in a sexual context, no. but, you know, that's that consent. Body, body autonomy and body sovereignty is so important that we teach that to our to our youth. Mm. Yeah. Porn, you've mentioned it. Um, maybe we're deeply divided even at a level, or not, if not divided, certainly we're not sure what we think is a uh, society, you know. So um, porn is prevalent today, um, mm. but it's, it's sort of problematic, isn't it? Because if, if we think about what worries me is our young mm. and and the way it's, um, you know, potentially it seems to me just as a layperson um, changing the view of sex, you know, as I say, that aggressive... Um, possibly even violent sort of objectification of 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 woman that's that that, that we're normalising through it. What do you, what are you what what are some things you would say about porn? Uh, yeah, so I agree with everything you've just said about porn, and I think the biggest thing is that I don't want to vilify porn too much because yeah. it is a useful tool, sure. and that some some people make their living off porn, you know, and that's totally fine. Um, but it is a performance. That's what we need to remember. You know, it is like we don't watch Shortland Street and think that that's how we're going to go to the doctor. <laughs> You're shocked really? about this. <laughs> Are you? It could be very educative. No, I've already said on another podcast I've never watched it. Oh, so okay. I, I have not. I mean, it makes me less of a Kiwi or something. But I just, 7 to 7.30 is not a time I'm routinely, other than fair go on a Sunday. Oh, my God. Not fair go. What am God. I saying? Um uh, country calendar oh, oh, yeah, okay. on a Sunday. I can get him I behind do that. like a bit of country calendar. <laughs> just because I feel like, you know, even though I've got zero to do with the country anymore, or, you know, any space, I feel like as a New Zealander, it's a, like a patriotic duty to watch country <laughs> calendar and watch them picking the grapes or oh my God, so lambing or whatever it is they're doing. Well, right now I'm hoping you also watch some porn so that that evens out. Well, I'm not telling you oh, one God way or another. Damn it. There is no good answer to that question, right? If I say no, I look like a prude. If I say yes, good grief, I'm not giving that to stuff.co.nz. That's, <laughs> that's out of control. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is an interesting one. It is very problematic, especially the behaviours we see in it. We never see condoms being used. You know, we never see the consent and the communication happening beforehand. And then, yeah, we see this rough sex, which then yeah. it just becomes normalised. And so, and in a lot of our youth, because they are watching that for education, because they're curious, we're all curious about people having sex. You know, we want to see what people do, what what happens. Um, when we're seeing things like that, you know, the roughness or like a lot of, you know, I, I've seen and you might have heard on my podcast, I shared about how um, in a rural town in New Zealand, 
the rates of injury via anal sex for youth were skyrocketing because mm. there was like this group and it was a, a whole thing in a school that they started watching porn and it became anal and then it, all the girls thought that they had to have anal sex yes. and they had all these internal tears and so there was like big community meetings about it with the, the local nurses and parents and schools and yeah, it was crazy. I've, I've heard... Not- Stories along those lines mm. as a local member of parliament about right. the day and what is happening not not at high school by the way at intermediate yeah um, and uh, you know it's, it's troubling and I suppose just to round that off at a level if there's any kind of convenient there's nothing convenient about this discussion I think where we agree then is you know let's take strangulation which you know seems to be sky or, or, or you know choking or some of these things um, it is one thing between. 28-year-old couple who have deep communication and uh, thinking through what and how they're doing and understand. It's a very different thing of 15-year-olds where the guy's just doing it because that's what he sees on the video yeah. all, the, all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, then there are things like there are ethical porn sites out there as well. So, you know, if we want to be engaging in porn, we should be doing it ethically. So that's sort of not that I... You know, not that I would know, but is that sort of, um, are we talking sort of more sophisticated mood music or what's going on with these <laughs> We're sites? talking about diversity and colours, sizes. We're talking about the performers being paid well. We're talking about um, being treated well on set, things like that, because there's actually such a undertone of unhealthiness and abuse that happens even in the creation of a lot of the mainstream free porn that we see, and like sex workers, you know that is that is an important job in this world. Yeah, well, I'm going to come to that. I mean, uh, our oldest profession, absolutely, alongside the farmers on country calendar. <laughs> I would say they are like the two oldest professions we have in this world. Um, but but again, let's be frank, and I don't please you know um, prostitutes collective, so I don't get on the phone. You know, I, it's a bit like you as a somatic sexologist, mm-hmm. mum and dad sitting there saying, you know, it's it's not. The first job they want their child to do, right? And that's because, again, there's um, there's a taboo about it. There's all of these sort of things, um, and and it and it can be, you know. Again, there are so many variations of prostitution, from you know on the street through to you know much more, uh, much, uh, uh, very different ways of doing that. What what do you sort of say about that? Um, and prostitution as a generalisation. So don't be ju- don't be judgmental, Simon. Simon, I think you should use the word sex worker instead of right. prostitute, for one. And then I think that it's... But in seriousness, and yeah. educate me, yeah. what difference does that make? It's about, I don't know, it's, it's, that's, it's more like a reclamation of the truth of what it is. Prostitution has almost become a bit of like a derogatory word. And is it the word that sex workers would prefer to be used? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, and it's just about, you know, same thing as pronouns. We respect, you know, whatever somebody wants to be called these days, we, we work with that. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, like I'm really proud of New Zealand. We're the first country in the world to decriminalise sex work, you know, and that's great for safety, you know, of, of the the people that are working in this field. But unfortunately, um, there's still a lot of uh, unsafe behaviours going on, especially like in terms of, um, and you might know more about this than me even, like the immigrants, you know, that come yeah. here to work. Um, yeah. They're not protected under no. our laws. So, yeah, but it is, you know, it's it's a... There's also a new 
form of sex work that's popping up a lot more, which is surrogacy, which is there are surrogates that are being used that are being referred by like psychologists. Like I would refer people to surrogates as well that people will actually go to for sexual like healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where there'll be some kind of sexual issue that's coming up that kind of needs to be processed through the body with relating to another human and that's very different from you but what mm-hmm. you're suggesting you know it, it really but 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 what you're suggesting is at a level that is a form of sexology you wouldn't go that far <sighs> oh yeah I I, what i far took far. from you but maybe i didn't understand is this a form of sex work that's actually got a um an educative helpful function to it and because of uh, dysfunction or an issue with the client. That might not necessarily be just based on pleasure. Yes. Which, yeah, gotcha. totally. Yeah. Gotcha. I read a piece, and, you know, a, a, a man like me with a little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing, but I read a piece <laughs> not long ago, and I was, and I thought of you because I knew we were going to have a chat and it was uh, going to be a great one. Um, and it was a debate between a sex, what they called sex positive and a sex ne- negative feminist, right? And it was a transcript of their the conversation and so this is all very simplistic so again no one ring me up or send me emails look I'm this is radio or podcast and we haven't got time for me to get into nuance here um you know those who argue simplistically for the virtues of no holds barred sexual freedom at one level right you know that's that sort of out there it's one side of the caricature of it and then those who say no look because that comes at a big cost to women and it's at its most basic what the, the sex negative feminist was saying, it seemed to me, is that, look, even though there's exceptions, the, the, the sort of culture we've got of hyper-liberalism, um, sexualization, some of the things we've talked about, porn and uh, 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 so on, um, suits men much more than it suits women and encourages women to imitate masculine sexuality, which isn't good for the well-being of women. I know I've just sprung this on you. There's a lot in that, but what 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 are you what do you reckon? Oh yeah, that's so big. That's a really big yeah. I, do you know what my initial feeling in my body is like? Yeah, I kind of believe that. To be honest, like because you're on the ground, if you like, maybe yeah. literally sometimes, but but. <laughs> You, you, you know, Simon. No, I just mean I d- you know because we have to. You have to be showing people what. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, you're on the ground level and experiencing what clients are telling you. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, I do feel like that. I feel like, oh, God, I'm really torn, actually, even trying to process that. Because on one hand, I feel like... And I suppose that's why I asked you, because that's yeah. probably what the reality of it is. I reckon it can both exist at once, yeah. actually. Because I think, yes, you can have... It's your body. You can choose what you want to do with it. And you can be loud and proud and you can just follow pleasure and you can have whatever you want. And that can be so empowering. Like a couple in the apartment next to me. What did they do? Not my current apartment. Oh. I just want to say, by the way, <laughs> to anyone living near me, it's like, good grief, guys. I've, what did I, I stopped you on a serious point that I feel like we, you know, and now I've... Okay, I can go back there if you want. I think that there is the detrimental side of the sexual freedom and sexual revolution that we are going through. Yeah. is that, yes, people are treating sex like it's just a commodity and forgetting the deep reverence for the fact that two bodies or more are connecting and sharing and having a really intimate moment. And there are feelings, there are hormones, there's all these things that go into it that will 
will change us and we want to bond like actually the way that humans are designed is that we will bond even through kissing for four minutes we're going to start releasing pheromones and endorphins and bonding hormones you know and so yeah the way that we are treating sex a lot these days does make it easier for I I hate that we're generalizing with gender but like men to just come in like tap and gap get what they need you know sex just seems to be transactional a lot of the time of what I'm seeing that rhymes. Um, yeah, and, and let's, we need like a generalisation kind of qualifier on this conversation, right? Yeah. Don't send us 15 emails, please don't. It's, we, we, you know, we, we understand there's nuance on this, but both, both of us. Mm. Um, quick fire, to the extent that we can on such complex issues, is sex sacred? Yes. Is monogamy old-fashioned? No. Good, because I've been married 17, 18 years, so yeah. I should actually know whether it's 17 or 18, but to be fair, when I've put it up on my Facebook in the past, I've got it wrong, so there you go. <laughs> um, do you have a full-time partner or a partner? I, I'm, no. Ambiguous. I'm, I'm dating somebody. Sure. That's quite sure. special, yeah. And um, will you still be, uh, and I don't, you know, we... It's impolite to talk about people's age, but you're mid-30s, something like that, am I right? And... Will you still be a somatic sexologist at 65? Fuck yes. Firstly, I just want to say it's not rude to ask people's age. I hate that. I don't know. This is our obsession with, like, the youth and, like, you know, ageing and all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's such... Yeah. No, I think you're right, but then but some people do think that. Yeah, but we need to change that. So I'm trying to be... um, I'm trying to be well behaved on um, all of that. Well, because there's photos... Um, and I need to put some context around these fo- photos. On the table is a, a relatively large red cushion <laughs> with what looks like a ballerina's shoe in the middle and some sort of a marshmallow coming, a small marshmallow coming out of it. Um, I am told by Morgan it is called a vulva cushion. Yes. Run me through this. So that middle bit that you're talking about that looks like a ballet shoe is the inner labia and the marshmallow bit is the clitoris. <laughs> clitoris, right. So this is my education tool. I just had a really bad pun come into my head. About what? That. Clitoris all sorts. But no, look, let's keep moving. This is <laughs> oh terrible. I'm sorry. No, we're editing that as well. Is that because okay. you want to eat it? Well, no, because I said much. Well, maybe. Maybe it's deeply. There's a deep sort of Freudian subconscious thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Don't be. This clitoris here is edible, but um, I more often than not use it to teach people about their own anatomy. This whole vulva cushion is a beautiful way of getting people to touch, you know, a vulva. This obviously isn't life size. It's the size of my head. So, um, yeah. So it's got all the parts that a normal vulva would have. You can feel it all. You can feel the structure. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and it looked really nice in your hands. Like, and it's really – it's like I mean, it's, this is, is technically pretty kind of, you know, it's got the – you know, inside when I play and touch, there's things going on like in a, a real one. Yeah, what did you feel in there? No, that was an hour ago. I don't know, but <laughs> but um, and you and you bought this like at a specialist thing. I mean, this is not just you didn't go out and bespoke ask someone. Will you knit me up a? <laughs> will you knit me up a vulva cushion? I might need one to stick my pins in. No, this is from the Vulva University. So Amazing. yeah.
We're going to finish uh, this the way we finish with every guest, and it's a section we call general knowledge. Um, three questions. There are no right or wrong answers. What single object would you save from your house? Oh, my God. I'm not attached to possessions at all. I just think I'd let it burn or um, flood or... Just um... walk out <laughs> with your person. Yeah. Don't have a favourite piece of granny's jewellery or... Mm. I don't know. Nah, that's so strange, isn't it? I thought, yeah, my mind's just running a blank. I feel very like I'd probably be nude as well because if there's an emergency. Well, you are a somatic sexologist, and yeah. when the cliche suggests to me you would be. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, oh my that's... god! I know it! I know it! I know it! Okay, I've got it! I've got it! Yes. My ponamu. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. What sort of size are we talking? Well, I've got multiple pieces, but I'd get my yeah. heitaki. Wonderful. Yeah. What's the best night out? In the context of this, I'm glad I'm not saying best night in. What's the best night out you've ever had? Oh, my God. That is wild. <laughs> oh, my God. I bet it was. I reckon that it was one night when it wasn't even that out, but it was like a temple night, tantra kind of behaviour, and um, where I had my first like full-body energetic orgasm. And I wasn't even being touched by another person. And well, it was this like a training course? Yeah, right. Yeah. How many people are there? Fifty. There was fifty people in you the room. You sort of all in the room, clothed. Yeah. Some people were. Right. Yeah. And there's sort of an instructor at the front, sort of saying, "Hold it, hold it." <laughs> we were actually going around and gazing at each other's genitals at the time. Um, oh my god, this is opening a can of worms. I'm actually, no, yeah. No, it's, it's you know, I mean, I think we've been pretty, we've been pretty respectful about these things. We haven't got too graphic at any point in time. No, but you know, when you're doing this kind of stuff where there's no alcohol, no drugs, but you're actually having a full body high, it's pretty wild and enlightening. Very enlightening, life changing. Some would say. So much to talk about there, but we're running out of time. <laughs> What's the best advice given to you and who gave it? I, it would be from my mother. And she's always just told me to be myself and speak my truth. Like she sent me to school with a badge that said children are people too. You know, like she's just said, speak your truth no Staunch. matter how hard it is. Yeah. Fantastic. Morgan Penn, somatic sexologist and much more. It's been just a pleasure to have you on. You've been listening to Generally Famous. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producer, Chris Reed. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, 
abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.